Dear friends, Jai Guru, and welcome to another episode of the Chela de Chela podcast featuring interviews and conversations with YSS SRF disciples of our sweet Guru Dave Paramahansa Yoganandaji. As we get to know a little more about some of our fellow disciples through the Chela de Chela podcast, it gives us the opportunity to support them with our prayers, our goodwill, and perhaps even with our resources and business connections. At the end of the podcast, I'll tell you how you can get to the free private access pages to further connect with our guests. Before we enter this next episode, let us listen to this quote of Guruji as shared by Mukti Madhuji, who was with Master when he was in the body. Mukti Ma is speaking. This is a time of spiritual rejuvenation, a time of drawing closer to God the Father and to the Divine Mother. Our Guru has said to us, a steady stream of divine power will flow to you, for the Great Ones have sent me here. When I am gone, you will realize this with greater impact. Little by little, a spiritual change will come to the true followers of this path and their influence will spread over the world. SRF is one of the greatest spiritual movements ever sent to help mankind. Filling And today we have with us Dana Elkin Terrell. Hello, Dana. Thank you for coming and being with us and sharing your story. Oh, thank you so much, Brenda, for inviting me to share it with the devotees around the world. Yes, around the world. Devotees were listening from 31 countries around the world. That is awesome. It really is. It just blows me away. And all the stories are so wonderful. They're so different. And, and um, Master is so, so there behind throughout, etc. Dana, tell us, first of all, where you are. Where are you in the world? I am in San Diego, California, and uh, attend the San Diego Temple. And uh, has that always been your temple? 
No, I actually started on the path in Minneapolis where I attended a meditation group for about three months before Master nudged and coaxed and surprised me by moving me to California. <laughs> he has a habit of doing that, doesn't he? Yes, and I was very content in Minnesota, so it was quite surprising. <laughs> I know, we never, we never think we're ready for whatever he's got coming, coming at us, isn't it? So it's like, really? You want me to do that? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so... Um, are you married? Do you have children? Were you born into SRF? Well, Give us a little profile. I was not born into SRF. I joined when I was single. And in the, initially, I planned to become a nun and spent some time serving at Mother Center for about four years with that intention. So um, it was a beautiful experience. I was drawn to it, had many friends doing that. And in fact, they did invite me to come into the ashram and said that within a month I would be in the ashram. And at that point, I started to feel very nervous. Ah. When I turned to Sister Sabrata and told her I'm feeling nervous, she said, oh, why don't you just forget being a nun? <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> that was very quick. And, uh, you know, I had always intended to be married and have children. So it was surprising to me when I got into SRF that those desires seemed to evaporate. And the, the idea of becoming a nun was very, very appealing. But as it got close, I thought, gee, you know, I had a very strong desire to be married. What if it pops its head up again? So that's what I was nervous about. And it ended up being a good thing because about a year later, I had started doing Master's Prayer for a Life Companion. and um, Which is a wonderful thing to do if uh, any devotees out there are not aware of it. It's great because it draws you to the right person for your situation and your growth and keeps the other ones away. Exactly. It's really good at keeping the other ones away, I found out. Because sometimes I would meet somebody at a work party, either at Pasadena Temple or Hollywood Temple, and we would seem to get along lovely and maybe eat together for the meal. So when I started praying Master's Prayer specifically with that person in mind, from that point on, they didn't acknowledge that I existed on the face of the planet. <laughs> and I was teasing Master, and I was saying, Master, your prayer is not working. What's going on here, you know? And, um, but he was probably quietly smiling and just saying, hang in there. And so when I finally, at the open house in 1986, I hoped to meet a husband at the open house. And I did so in the last 15 minutes because at that point I had surrendered my ridiculous goal. It was ridiculous to hope to find a husband in three hours of open house. So I told Divine Mother, okay, very funny. You just introduced me to somebody that's quite annoying. And uh, so just please take him away and we'll just forget the whole idea. So all of a sudden he said, well, I've got to get going. Bye-bye. 
And I turned around and there was a friend of mine who I worked with at Mother Center. Her name happened to be Terrell. And as I was talking with her, she was talking with somebody who looked a lot like her. And I knew she had a number of relatives in SRF. And so I said, Terrell, is this your cousin? And out of the blue runs David Terrell, my future husband. And he says, I'm Terrell's cousin. So he just ran up from the corner of the room. I don't know. Wow. And uh, it was like, I looked at him and I said, he, he didn't look anything like her. And I said, well, you look more like you should be my cousin. And uh, we started talking and laughing and he was so friendly. And I just thought, what a friend. That was my inner thought. And I think my soul was just recognizing this old friend from the past. Yeah. You know, and I was natural because I had forgotten the idea of getting married. Uh-huh. It's, you know, not going to work if you're just really totally focused on getting married and you're looking at one person after another thinking, are you going to be my husband? Are you <laughs> my husband? <laughs> that doesn't work. It's, it kind of nullifies anything. But just surrendering and letting God just decide what to do, that was the moment that... Uh, the connection happened. And so we were just natural and we just were talking for a few days. And by Wednesday of that week, I thought, oh my gosh, maybe he's the answer to the prayer. So after the Wednesday night class, we were talking with each other. And in the background of my mind, I started praying master's prayer. And I felt a tremendous spiritual experience at that moment which I didn't say anything about it, but I thought this is quite a clear message. A month later, he confided that he had a very similar experience at the same moment. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. And that was when he proposed to me a month later. Okay, so this is a, a relationship from the past, no doubt. And, uh, you know, isn't it interesting to, to kind of visualize how that works when there's such a draw to someone that you're supposed to be with, you know, even if it's not forever, but at that moment you're supposed to be together. Uh, it, and it's incredible. Um, I also had an experience with John, and um, there were some things that led up to it, but when we finally connected for the very first time, he just disappeared in this greatest white light I have ever or since seen. I mean, he just disappeared in this unbelievably um, stellar white light. And I thought, oh my gosh, what is this? Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I was so new on the path, I thought this must be my guru. You know? <laughs> Well, it turned out, bless his soul, because he's been gone for years now, but um, it, it did turn out he was my guru in the smaller, with a smaller G. I learned so much from him. I grew so much. When you have that relationship of, of old divine friends, um, it takes forms that you just can't imagine, isn't it so? I agree, Brenda, wholeheartedly. I even came to that realization my dear husband went through stage four lung cancer for two and a half years 
And uh, it came to me as the days were going by that really Master had come to me in that form. Uh, he, he handled the whole thing so beautifully. It was amazing. He, he declared to anybody who would listen that cancer was the greatest blessing of his life. Wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. It gave him the opportunity to devote his full time to the spiritual practices you know, and God and chanting and meditating and Kriya um, and praying for others. Yes. 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 It's quite a, um, it's quite a process, isn't it? To behold and to participate in. Um, I know a lot of devotees, um, uh, couples that have been together for decades and on the path for decades. And I uh, from things that they have said to me, I know it's on their mind. Who's going to leave first and how am I going to deal with it? And, um, I, you know, it's going to be different for everybody, but it's difficult and it's a blessing, isn't it? Well, I'm learning that. Um, yeah, I think I might have leaned a little bit too much on David. And Master is giving me that opportunity to lean more on him. Uh-huh. But that's the blessing. That's the blessing. That's the blessing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so David and I raised a son, Jacob, and he is 28 now, married, lives with his wife in Atlanta, Georgia. Very good. Very good. And so what are you doing? Well, I still have a practice as a EMDR and Bowen relationship therapist. I've also been developing protocols integrating these two therapies. Bowen is a wonderful therapy, kind of like a how to behave in relationships therapy. And the goal is emotional maturity for the individual and that it spreads to the relationships and that it's, it becomes contagious. And uh, then EMDR therapy, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. Uh -huh. uh, it's a psychotherapy technique that utilizes eye movements to help the brain digest disturbing memory and desensitize all negativity surrounding that memory. And then as that gets desensitized down to a zero, the native health of the brain pops up it just kind of comes back to life and it reminds me of what master says about our soul is pure gold and our experiences of life are like mud that gets caked onto that pure gold of our soul so i just love how these therapies seem to integrate with masters philosophies and shri Teswar's how to behave philosophy uh-huh and it's just been very satisfying because i feel like i can really dwell in the principles of srf but use a vocabulary that's fine for the public i see i see okay so um two things around that before we get back to your um, spiritual journey and not that this isn't part of that but you know what I mean well sure. we're gonna find out how you found master but I wanted to um, ask you about you have a workshop and you have a book you've just written a book 
Yes. Uh, talk about that just for a little bit. Uh, this workshop came out of my work uh, integrating these two therapies. Aha. Uh -huh. We should say the name of your book. What is it? The book is a self-help book, and it's called When I Do Relationships So Right, How Do They Go So Wrong? Using Emotional Maturity to Transform Your Mind, Your Relationships, and the Generations to Come. Wow, that's a mouthful now. And also, it's a, it's a mindful, because those are really core issues in, in relationships, of course. Um, is it available on Amazon, like everything else? Yes, Amazon, okay. Barnes & Noble. It's in print, ebook, and very soon will be audiobook. Well, you know what? I want to give you kudos, Dana, because I know that those processes are not easy and they're not short and they take a lot of dedication and i know that you are just by the title and the content um the heart is in the right place you're wanting to help people and and ma said when you get to the other side there's only two things that divine mother is going to ask one did you love me and two did you give my love to all wow. and um you know, those are the things to cram for, right? So, yeah. but, but you, you're doing this service because you want to help the world be a better place. You want to help individuals be happier, have more peace, be more kind to each other. Yeah. You know, it's, it's great work. So kudos to you. Thank you. It is my way of giving love to all. Yes. Yes, it's obvious. Yeah. Um, so... Now, you're doing a workshop, and um, the discount for listeners, by the way, if you're a private access subscriber to the Chela to Chela podcast, Dana is offering a $100 discount. Okay, Dana, let's get back to how you found Master. Okay. Well, while I was in Minneapolis, I got involved in self-defense as a class and then started assisting my teacher. Interestingly, he started and ended each class with a meditation. And uh, as I started holding my own classes and creating my own self-defense school, I did the same thing. And I had been learning a little bit about meditation. But what I did was every time I just affirmed to my students, I don't know very much about meditation, but I want to know about meditation. And I think God heard that. And finally, I was introduced to the autobiography, and I was a graduate student at that time. I really had no interest in reading any extra books at all. My uh, grad student roommate still had an appetite for reading, and so she picked up the autobiography and started reading. And uh, just within a short time, she's saying, oh, Dana, this one is really good. <laughs> I'm kind of going, oh boy, <laughs> I have to read it, you know. So once she put it down, I would read it, and we kind of went tandem through the book. And I just felt so wonderful reading Master's autobiography. I felt like this is a story of the love of God. It's not really an autobiography because he's not talking about himself, it's not about me and I. It's yeah. about the love of God and saints who love God. 
And I felt like every single word was absolutely true. I've never read a book with that feeling. Yes. And as I was reading, I felt all kinds of different ways that he was helping me. So I was already planning to move to L.A. to follow him. Wow. This was in 1979. So, of course, Master was not in the body. And when I got to the end of the book, I discovered that. And this gives a little indication of how very materially minded I was because I thought, oh, he can't help me. Uh-huh. And so had I done one moment of introspection, I could have saved myself from that deluded thought, but I didn't. And so I thought, well, I guess I'll just follow his example and find my guru. He was not scared to find a guru. He persisted. He just kept at it until he found his guru. So I will do that. And I will pray like he does with demands to God. And my demand was, God, you have to make it very simple for me because I'm very dense. And I do not want to spend endless time searching. I do not want to read endless books. You need to spell it out really simply for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. So it was about six months after I read the autobiography. And um, I knew there was an SRF meditation group in town because I'd heard about it. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go to the group. And when I got there and saw everybody praying to our guru, Paramahansa Yogananda, then I realized, well, if he can be their guru, he can be my guru too. It was kind of like I didn't realize that he was capable without the body. But here's all these people. They're obviously very deeply devoted to him, and they're praying to him. So that that was the moment when I realized this is my path. So you appreciated more of Guruji's um, omnipresence. Yes, that he was able to help us all. And you could see the benefit in the devotees. And how about the benefit for you? Can you talk about that? Well, Master is the one who brought the dawn of joy into my life. His teachings have brought me such great peace. Um, His teachings just change us. And uh, the friends and the the people I've met in SRF are so beautiful. I learned so much from them. The reason I left Minneapolis is because at that time, I didn't feel a great security with those lovely people because nobody had been on the path more than three years. And I had this sense that we're all babies here together. I need to be around old timers. So I decided to move to California because there were the most old timers in California who had been on the path for a long time. And I really needed to be around them. So Master just satisfied that desire to the nth degree. I had beautiful divine friends. And so I feel like Master's giving me that 
example through others of how to deepen the spiritual life, how to deepen the relationship with Master, the faith in Him, uh -huh. the surrender to Him. And that's been really a very important part of my spiritual life, as well as meditation. I really like deep, long meditation. And my weakness on the path, I always felt, was practicing the presence of God. And so when I was seeking a husband, I, I asked God to give me a husband who was very good at that. And boy, Dave had that strength intensely. And in fact, I found looking at his journals after he'd gone that in 2009, he wrote down, God wants me to write a book on practicing the presence. But how can that be? I'm not regular enough. Uh-huh. And don't we all feel that way? Yeah. And then he said, but God's asking me, so I'll do it. And that is one gift he gave me just shortly. He kept it very, very private. But about a month before he passed, he gave me the manuscript. Oh, he did write it? He did write it. And what are you going to do with it? Well, if I'm going to bring it out. There it's you go. Gem, and um, I'm... I've been so busy getting my book finished that it will take me a little while before I get that. It's such a little book, that, um, but it's a gem. So I think what is needed is to include some of his journal entries because it's kind of like the book is the goal. He, he really, he was practicing the presence at all times. He was in God's presence at all times. So it's a little a little hard to relate to for the average person but his journal entries show how hard he worked at that let me let me ask you this um over the years of being in, on the path dana would you share with our listeners what has been one of the biggest challenges you faced i think for me, it's whenever I'm with inharmonious people, that's extremely painful to me. I've, you know, I've been quite blessed to be raised with a lot of harmony. So the biggest challenge for you is being around inharmonious people and how the question is, how do you navigate that? Well, I... I lean on master's affirmations. I love one that's, let's see. Uh, I go forward with perfect faith in the power of omnipresent good to bring me what I need at the time I need it. Yay, God. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that one. And um, somewhere along the way at a, convocation i believe it was i heard one idea that master suggested mentally putting a bouquet of roses between you and that person and that the vibration of the roses changes things wow never heard that one uh, yeah I, I can't remember the exact source but it seems like it was either at a, a service or a convocation and then of course, there's Brother Bhaktananda's Peace and Harmony Prayer. Oh, yes. That, that one is really huge. That one works. 
for yes, sure. That was beautiful. And then I also used the Bowen theory to help me with these relationships. So in your lifetime on the path, this lifetime, uh, what would you say has been one of the greatest blessings or lessons that you've learned in this incarnation? Uh, well, I think just going deeper into the value of silence, I would say that is the most profound. And I need to go much further. Um, that's that's it for me so you're saying that the greatest blessing and lesson is that you have appreciated more the value of silence and that that's where the joy is that's where god is strongest for me all right um i have a, another question i wanted to ask you dana uh, what spiritual practices or thoughts or remembrances have been most helpful to you? Hmm. And I know they change over the years, and so maybe the most is not the right um, qualifier to put there, but how about one of them? What has been uh, a well, practice, a thought, or a remembrance that's been helpful? I love one that Brother Sevananda shared. Um, I care not which conditions confront me, for I know they represent the next step in my soul's unfoldment. I welcome all tests for that. I know that within, within me is the intelligence to understand and the power to overcome. To overcome. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Guruji has just armed us with all this power <laughs> and, and insight and and tools and blessings and um you know take your pick trianandaji said years ago uh, you would need nine bodies to do everything that master says in the <laughs> lessons you know so it's like take what works for you and use it right yes oh my I'm gosh glad oh my you gosh mentioned him because brother triananda met me once and just immediately said, be fanatically positive. <laughs> and uh, I go, oops, I'm nailed because my family was very positive, but we would criticize people on TV or we would criticize strangers. So I did cultivate a negative habit, but nobody knew it. Except, <laughs> except Master you and Turianaji. <laughs> Yeah. So I wrote a big sign that said, be fanatically positive. That was about 1982. And it really helped me a lot. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Well, let's wrap it up this way. Do you have anything about being a disciple that you would like to share with the devotees who are listening? Any advice or encouragement or insight? Um, I would like to encourage each one to take the time to look at your strengths on the spiritual path and not think you have to have the strengths other people have. Yay. <laughs> That's a big one. 
Yes, because each monastic chooses one name that represents one quality that is going to get them to God. We don't have to do everything. We, of course, we need to practice all of our techniques, but we can work with our strengths. Yes, work to overcome the weaknesses, but don't worry too much about it. I was talking with a devotee yesterday dealing with a challenging person in her life, and she remembered beautiful guidance she had from Sister Shanti about yeah. a difficult person. And, and my friend was saying, I don't really think I'm ever going to like this devotee. I must be a bad devotee because I, don't, I can't imagine loving this devotee or liking this person. And Sister Shanti said, don't worry. All you have to do is get to neutral. Wow. Okay. If you can get to neutral, even in a past life, in, in the next life, you will not be drawn together, you and that devotee. The devotee, the, the other person will still need to work out the similar issue if they haven't overcome it. But they'll, figure, they'll draw in somebody else kind of like you to work it out with instead of you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, well, that is, uh, that's wonderful to think about, that, that you just have to be neutral um, so that you're, you're not um, perpetuating any kind of um, karmic relationship thing going on that is, that is not positive. And, you know, I, I think two things need to be said here uh, about this, um, Dana. One is... When someone gives counsel to someone, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's right for everyone. So it, it might not have been a, a, a principle that applies to everyone. Um, Guruji, I, I just heard this story where, where someone was complaining to Guruji about the um, misbehavior or the, um, the bad personality or irritable personality of someone. And Guruji said, if he had not, if he is not in your life, I would have had to create someone just like him for you, because these are this is where we grow. Yes, isn't it? So, wherever we are, different parts of Master's training come to the fore, and that stillness that you're talking about in that meditation gives us the discernment to know what's right. And to tune in with Guruji and be guided for what's right in, in every particular situation, isn't it? Yeah. Your encouragement to um, to not have the whip out and not feel like, I love it. You said, you know, you don't have to have all the qualities that everybody else has. And in the early days on the path for me, um, I observed a lot of what I call the devotee syndrome. It's like everybody else was a saint to oh. everyone. You know, it's like, oh, you know, the worm syndrome or whatever. I'm not good enough, right? But after a while, when you attune with Guruji, you, you're um, steeped in that love and that faith and that trust that you were talking about earlier. Uh -huh. And uh, so it's a great life. It's a wonderful life with Guruji in it, isn't it? Oh, it sure is. That's the best. <laughs> All right. So let us end there. Jai Guru, Jai Guru, thank you again. Thank you for this beautiful service to all. All right.
Well, dear friends, it's wonderful to hear these stories, isn't it? If you would like access to the private pages where guest contact and other information is posted, it's free and easy. Just email to subscribe to the Soul Calls Infinity mailing list. The email address is subscribe at soulcallsinfinity.org. For those of you who may be driving or jogging while listening, the link to subscribe will be in the show notes. The Chela de Chela podcast is sponsored by Soul Calls Infinity, and the music is courtesy of Soul Calls Music Meditations by Saranya, available online at soulcalls.org and on YouTube. I'm your host, Brenda Roberts, and I'd love to share your story. Email me for guest guidelines and preparation details. That's Brenda at soulcallsinfinity.org. I'm looking forward to sharing the next episode with you, where we'll be meeting another uniquely devoted disciple of our beloved Master, Paramahansa Yoganandaji. In closing, let's listen again to this quote of Muktima and Master. Muktima is speaking. This is a time of spiritual rejuvenation, a time of drawing closer to God the Father and to the Divine Mother. Our Guru has said to us, A steady stream of divine power will flow to you, for the Great Ones have sent me here. When I am gone, you will realize this with greater impact. Little by little, a spiritual change will come to the true followers of this path, and their influence will spread over the world. SRF is one of the greatest spiritual movements ever sent to help mankind. So dear friends, I hope you will share the podcast with at least one other SRF YSS devotee as we walk together in the spirit of divine friendship and in the love of God and Guru, affirming what we know to be true. It's a wonderful life with Guruji in it. Jai Guru Jai. Thy river of love flows through me. Thy river of love flows through me constantly, filling. Ooh. Mm-hmm.